Hey there, my name is Meli Ramirez and I'm the host of Chingona's Only Club, a podcast for women of all backgrounds where we discuss our struggles with gender norms, societal roles, and social issues. If you want to learn more and connect with strong and equally resilient women, I invite you to listen in every Tuesday on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Let's empower one another through our powerful storytelling. Adios. I always find it really funny when men, when talking about women, will say, you must have daddy issues. She must have daddy issues. It may not be directly our fathers, but we all have issues with the way that adult men have shown love or expressed love. Because in general, it has not been well. Even on TV shows, there's like the stoic dad. We've all heard, oh yeah, he loves you. He just doesn't know how to show it. When we're taught that little boys will throw rocks at you because they care about you, because they like you. So many of us have been taught that a man's presence in our life, just presence, not how he treats you, that's love. And that we should be grateful for that. I agree. I don't think that's a good husband or a father. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Amplify Her podcast. I am your host, Christina Singh, and the Amplify Her podcast is all about amplifying and uplifting women's voices and stories. My, oh my, do we have a show for you today. I am so thrilled and weirdly nervous about this show. It is with Laura Danger aka That Darn Chat, if you uh, know of her online. And Laura, other than just being a lovely human, is an incredible advocate. And I have been following her for quite some time and came across her videos on TikTok, then followed her on Instagram and reached out to her about being a guest on the show. I am so thrilled that she said yes and we had just a wonderful conversation. I, I do have to preface that this conversation um, is a bit abrupt <laughs> during the last 15 minutes. Um, it changes because, oh my gosh, the day it, Laura and I were chatting, I had a horrible, horrible stomach bug and I was pushing myself a bit too hard. I wasn't following Laura's advice. And at one point, I nearly fainted (laughs) during our interview. I was completely fine. And then my body just gave out. So just a friendly reminder to always look out for yourself and know your limits and communicate them with others. But Laura was so unbelievably gracious and joined me to wrap up the episode a week later. And so you'll hear that transition and little jump towards the end of the episode, which I am so grateful for because the end of the episode is just as good as the rest, of course, because she's incredible. So if you don't know about Laura, she is an educator, advocate, and creator. She is a community advocate 
and in her words, a millennial parent using her platform to empower overwhelmed caregivers to value their own time and the priceless care labor they provide. She's impassioned, silly, and sincere, and brings equal doses of ambition and realism to her work. She believes we can build a better future together, and you can definitely 100% hear that in her words during this episode. Laura's videos on TikTok have amassed over 23 million likes, and she currently has over 450,000 followers. Her videos touch on subjects such as domestic labor, weaponizing competence, naming issues, confronting sexism, racism, and systems of oppression, and using data to point out injustices through intersectional lenses. Laura is also certified in the Fair Play Method and offers consultations and coaching. I found Laura while scrolling TikTok and watching a video about unequal care and becoming a new mom. Maybe you did too. Laura's words are powerful and they've resonated with millions of people across the world. I can't wait for you to hear our conversation, so let's dive right in with Laura Danger. Laura, I am so thrilled to have you on the Amplify Her podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here and welcome. I'm thrilled. So thank you. <laughs> you and I have connected <clears throat> online and I have seen lots and lots of your videos. You have um, come up on TikTok for me primarily is where I started watching your content. And then I found you on Instagram and really wanted to continue to connect with your work. And um, part of what you talk about that really resonates with me is around motherhood and equality and uh, recognizing and seeing domestic labor. So my first really moment that I want to dive into is what inspired you to put yourself on camera and start to talk about these things? I would love to know why you, you started doing that? Um, well, I'm a mom. I have two kids. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. Um, and I've been a full-time educator for the last 10 years. And I, when I first got on TikTok, I was talking about education and the school system and life as a mom. Not so much like I don't do parenting content and I don't necessarily do mommy content. Like, I feel like I would be categorized under a mom influencer of some kind, mm. but in a way where it's more big picture. Right. So I started, I, I started taking off on TikTok, like for a while, for months and months, I just like talked about random stuff. I did like sound trends and things like that. And then one day I saw a friend of mine, like an acquaintance of mine, she had her third kid during the pandemic, a baby, and her she was holding, um, or she posted a picture of her husband, and her husband had the baby in one hand, his phone in the other hand, and he was like looking at her scowling, and she put some text over it and posted in her, her Instagram stories and was like, best hubby ever, let me have 30 minutes at the gym. And it was like, I think her baby was like three months old. Yeah. Um, so what it's been three months now. And this is the first time you're getting time to time. yourself. And I 
saw it and, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, and I, I think still today a little bit, TikTok is like a little bit of the wild west. Like not all of my friends are on there. The people in my real life don't really haven't like crossed the bridge over to TikTok. So I like, I knew I couldn't say anything on Instagram. She would take it personally. And it was like, I didn't want her to think I was judging her in any way. So I like close my Instagram app. I go over to TikTok and I was like, if I see one more woman congratulate her husband or like make him out to be some hero for giving her 30 minutes, I was like, I'm going to flip a table. And it was the first time one of my videos, it was so short, you know, like 10 seconds. And it was the first time I got like a hundred thousand views. And from there, I started replying to comments where people were like, oh my gosh, when they say they're babysitting or like when they're doing the dishes for me. Yeah. And it was like the first time where I really started doing this, which I I guess now is like my sign- signature move. One of them <laughs> is I'll just like comment thread like through and through and through and just reply to comments and like frame it big picture or break it down. Yeah. And so, yeah, I like poked fun at the way that men talk about their role in their relationships. And I say it and I started talking about it because I saw it in my own life. I saw it in the people around me. And to the point about like, I couldn't say anything on Instagram because everybody I know was living this. Mm, so yeah. if I said anything, it was like I was calling everybody out and I was the asshole. And so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to like get, bring it to my buddies over on TikTok and we <laughs> can all laugh about it or like be frustrated and commiserate. And that's the magic of the TikTok algorithm is 100%. it found the people who needed to hear it. Yeah. And I remember the first video of yours I saw was, um, a partner um, sitting on the couch. Um, and I think this might be one of your very, very popular videos of you reacting to a woman coming home and her husband or her partner is just like, there's just chaos around and like mommy's home, like give you the baby. And um, you had such a, an incredible response to that um, in which you're saying like, what, why can't we let your partner, like, what is the, the disconnect here? Um, and I think essentially that is really what you're talking about is the unseen moments that women are having every single day and that need for time for yourself after parenthood and this somewhat like narrative of martyrdom that comes with motherhood. And so I really connected with that video just because I, I, similar to you, I see it all around me in my community. And then I also, you know, have experienced moments in my, in my own relationship. But one thing I am always hearing in my relationship from women who are older than me is you're so lucky. You're so fortunate that your yes. partner is doing what they're doing. You're really lucky. And I was raised by a single mother and, you know, I had a woman in my life who did a lot of domestic labor, much more than my father. And so 
I now hear a lot of this narrative of you're so lucky. And I'm curious when you're, when you started posting and you started, you know, seeing your videos gain more traction. And now that you've been more experienced in, in building a community, what are you seeing in this community? What sort of, I guess, trends are you seeing and what sort of conversations are quite common? Um, What's, What's really interesting is I didn't tell anyone, like I have a personal Instagram and then I have my that darn chat Instagram and I didn't, I don't share that I have this account like on my personal page. I have not, I have not really outed myself. I don't post on my Facebook. I don't like, I don't share anything. And some people have found me from my personal life have found me and are now following me or will DM me and be like, oh my gosh, this is me. Oh my gosh. So relatable. Or will send me one of the things that happens all the time is people will send me reels and be like, oh my gosh, react to this. Um, Mm. And what I'm seeing is where, you know, I started talking about this maybe two years ago, I guess now like 2020, (laughs) I would see these trending videos and romanticizing martyrdom and being like, like mama, instead of, instead of resenting him for coming home and not doing the dishes or dinner, like feel good that you're providing that nurturance for your family. Like these weird videos like that, that used to trend. I see people in the comment section now being like, that's not normal. That's not okay. He can do the dishes and cook too. He can provide that care too. And I'm seeing this shift of like, yes, yes, these experiences are very relatable, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I like, I have a really hard time um, taking ownership or like even gassing myself up about this. But I think I'm part of a wave of influencers who are and people like it takes everybody in daily life to to not tolerate this anymore. Um, But I'm really grateful to be a part of this movement where I'm seeing like, whoa, I I get tagged in a video. I go to the comment section. I'm late to the game. Everyone's already been there. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. No, that is really wonderful. And I think something that you're really hitting is um the the world of the unspoken the things that we're not sharing with our partner the things that we're not saying out loud you're saying them you're talking about them you're um empowering other people and emboldening them to say it and to bring it up and to have those hard conversations and you're saying it's actually possible Mm-hmm. to communicate with your partner and to communicate your needs and have them met. Like that's something yes. you can do and you can take action in that way. And then not, and, and not in a shameful, you know, mm-hmm. reaction kind of way you're saying, no, you actually do have needs and they deserve mm-hmm. to be met. And the narrative, the story that we're told that your needs are pushed aside once you become a mother is just simply not true. Were you always um, of this mindset? How did this evolve for you? Ooh, 
Oh boy, no. <laughs> and I am I'm thank you for saying those things. Um that really is my message. So I'm a I'm a certified fair play facilitator. And for anyone listening, fair play, I did not write the book. Um fair play was developed by the author uh Eve Rodsky. And it's a system. It's a system for communicating your needs um, and not just communicating your needs, but jointly coming together and saying, here's a minimum standard. Here's how we can share the mental load. Let's, you know, we meet weekly. Here's how we have a conversation about this. It's the system itself is amazing. And in the book, Eve gives people permission. She says, you know, you, you, have permission to be someone outside of being a parent, a professional, or a partner. And uh, that was revolutionary for me. So I, you know, I had, I have two kids. Um, With the first kid, she was medically complicated. And because of that, and because of how much I made at my job, I took a step back from my career and I stayed home with her mostly I worked part-time for the first year of her life. And I ended up taking on the responsibility of her consistent, like constant um, medical things, like dealing with insurance companies, researching nutrition, like this huge weight I took on. And it was so overwhelming that I would have a hard time communicating Like my husband would come home from a long day at work and be like, how can I help you? How can I support you? And I'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. And I would like rage. Mm. And that, you know, she, we we ended up figuring out her mental, her uh, medical stuff, thankfully around the time she was two. And then my husband and I decided to have another kid. So we added another kid to the mix and I was working full time and things were calming down, but we never got our groove back. And it was still this dynamic of like, how can I help you around the house? Mm. Okay, here's how you can help me around the house. And it just like felt wrong. It didn't feel right. I I felt responsible for so much. I felt the pressure to do it all. I knew that the house reflected my how my kids did and how the house looked reflected me and not him. Mm. So I took on all of this and I thought I was like this like empowered feminist because I could do it all. I didn't need help. I got this. I'm doing a great job. And my husband is great because he asks when he can help. And I just like, I was like, this is just what motherhood is. Like clearly this is, and I'm doing a great job at it. I might be stressed out, but that's because I'm a good mom. And (laughs) then I got my hands, like, I think October, 2019, just a couple of months after Eve's book came out, fair play came out. I was like driving home from my full-time job. I'm like, what groceries do I need to get? Um, Like listening to her on audiobook, And she starts listing the basically fair play breaks down household to a hundred tasks. She starts listing the 100 tasks and then telling us what it takes. So it's not just like dishes, laundry. It's like uh, laundry, 
knowing when the laundry needs to be done, making sure there's product to do the laundry, making sure you schedule time to fold, bring it to its location, dry cleaning. She's like listing not just the task, but the mental energy and the engineering of it. And I, I will never forget the rage. I was, I don't think I was like, this is what I've been doing. This has been my responsibility. How did like, everyone's telling me to like, be more efficient, make lists, ask for help. This is what I've been dealing with. And I just hot rage tears down my face. I was like, light bulb moment. Right. And that was like, I'm, you know, this is what I do as a profession. Now I marry my message of empowerment that like, yeah, do this, do it. And if they can't do fair play with you and they're not willing to address it, you still matter. Yeah. Fair play is a tool, a tool. But it's not always going to work. Your partner's not always going to be able to do it. But you deserve to try. Yeah. And and it's taken a lot of uh, self-work. Like, I've been seeing a therapist for the last three years to be like, Laura, you have permission. Your partner wants to do this with you. Please set your boundaries. Like, you matter. And I just get to, like, I should be giving her a cut of my revenue. Like my, my therapist (laughs) gasses me up and then I get to gas other people up. Yes. Oh, I, I think everything you just said is so unbelievably powerful because in particular of that mental load piece, uh, the, the mental aspect of thinking through everything and knowing, having that ping in your brain that knows to think through it. And those moments are so many of the things that go unseen, just even being able to think about it. And I think that you, thank you for sharing your, you know, experience and your journey with your own partner. Um, Because then I, you know, obviously that can lead you to getting in front of a camera and talking to people about all the things that, you learned in your moment of white hot rage in the car and better understanding and helping people to better understand. And the thing that I think is so powerful is you've used your voice to tell your story and you've used your voice to highlight other people's stories and where they could have support. And it's working. I think sometimes when we talk (laughs) about anything and share our stories and our experiences, It can feel like we're talking into an echo chamber and maybe we're alone. And I think you've really um, hit the note around you're not alone. And in fact, you deserve more. I can only imagine that it might feel overwhelming (laughs) to have millions of people view your videos and millions of people like them. How has that process been for you to share use your voice and then have such a big reaction to it. It's been, it's been so validating for me. Um, Something I think about a lot is like, I was really embarrassed. I was really embarrassed about having feeling like things were not equal at home. Um, 
And I think that's what keeps a lot of people quiet about this. It's like, okay, this either this is what motherhood is supposed to be. Or like, I don't want my partner to look bad because like I do love them and he does all the other stuff. And like, this is just one thing. Um, But I think, and what I hope that I get across when I talk about this is I like, this is about men too and feeling empowered and there's a cost to everybody in this dynamic. And I never, I never want it to be like, oh, men are so like, God, men, like that's not my message at all. It's wow. Society really convinced us that this was our roles. Like that's, that's crappy. That sucks. And I think because of that, I get, I, you know, people will be like, do you get a lot of hate? No, I very, very rarely get pushback. Um, the, the, probably the most critical feedback I get is like, Hey, sometimes I feel like, um, like I'll get men who DM me and be like, I sometimes feel like you are leaving men out of the picture, like the men who are the primary caregivers Mm -hmm. and things like that. And so I, I do try to readjust. I try to use gender neutral language. Um, this is not just a heterosexual issue. This is a, a heteronormative role thing. Yeah. Um, but it's been so validating. It's been so comforting and like revealing. I mean, I have conversations with my mom and my stepmom and like old friends of mine. And it just has opened. It's like opened the door. We can't hide behind this anymore. And it, yeah, it's, it's been awesome. It's been very empowering too, because I left my job a year and a half ago and being able to shift how I educate. I love, I love teaching. It's something that I've always loved to do. And I now get to do that in small settings, individually through workshops. And um, finally, in the last couple of months, I've been able to monetize a little bit online. It's mostly for free, but just the reward and feeling like I'm a part of something is so powerful to me. And it means so much. Yeah, no, you really are. And um, I think it's as somebody who's been watching you for a while, it's been really, really cool to see the evolution as well and to, you know, to learn through you. Because one piece that I think is the biggest part that I learned was around domestic labor. And I had heard, you know, the term domestic labor before, um, but I had never seen it break broken down uh, into the ways that you've done so on your platform um, and that I've now done so myself for me. And part of um, what I've been doing lately is really going through my day. And I have a full-time role. I have a toddler and, you know, I go through my day and I'm listing out what, what did I do today? Because I'll often feel like, I didn't do enough. You know, I didn't take as much action as I, as I wanted to. And what I've been doing is I've been writing that all down and then sharing it, um, online and saying, holy shit, 
I did a lot more than I thought. I'm taking a lot more action than I thought. And a lot of that action is domestic labor. And a lot of what I'm currently, you know, filling my day with can be classified as domestic labor. So for those of um, my listeners who are listening right now and might not know what is classified as domestic labor and why you're, you know, really passionate about, I mean, it's on all over your website, you know, you've posted (laughs) about it that says domestic labor is labor. What is domestic labor? And um, I would say, I guess my next question after that is, Um, What have you seen in your community from, you know, really talking more about this particular piece? Um, So domestic labor, I'm right out of the gates. Domestic labor is, I also call it care labor. It can be a lot of different things, but it's, it's, it's essential labor. It's like the labor of life. It's what keeps us healthy and safe. Um, So it can be the cleaning up around the house, literally physically making your space safe. It can be cooking. It can be um, caring for a child. Um, But what I really appreciate about the fair play method specifically and what blew my mind about rethinking what I thought about fair play or um, domestic labor was domestic labor is also setting boundaries around screen time. comforting your child when they have their first heartbreak, knowing your family's allergies. It's the little things and it takes up time, energy, mental energy, emotional labor. Um, And I think I posted something today on my Instagram stories um, about, oh, like decision fatigue. Yeah. Anybody, I say that and people are like, oh, yes. I totally understand that. Um, Just trying to make choices that matter to your family or reflect your family's values. That's labor. It's work. And even outsourcing. That's the other thing. People are like, oh, yeah, no. um, if, If my wife is overwhelmed, let's just hire a cleaner. And it's like, okay, well, yes. It's you can understand that it's labor when you have to pay for it, but you are also not paying attention to the invisible part, which is checking reviews, making sure the house is picked up before a cleaner comes, all of the in-between things, um, having to deal with a person, like just talking to a person who cleans your home is it is work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, domestic labor is all of the things that keep your family going and even like even the quiet, careful moments. Um, my mom used to drive us. She used to take us on like car trips back yeah. and forth all summer. And she would get us like Reese's pieces and blankets for the car. And she did it because if she didn't, we would fight the entire way. <laughs> and she knew she was preemptively coming up with energy saving tips and navigating our life and and creating positive experiences for us. And that takes work. Yes. 100%. Um, Part of the muscle that I have learned to flex since I've had a child is to communicate very, very directly with my partner. Um, 
And that's not an easy muscle to flex. And I think it's something, you know, that that push and pull can happen in a relationship after a child. And I feel like that's not always talked about. Um, I actually think it's very much swept under the rug. And then come these posts of, you know, these these people, the posting online that you're now reacting to. Um, And I think a lot of that are those Reese's pieces and blanket moments. And oh my God, your cat is so cute. (laughs) Trying to ignore her. I love it. To Um, those just listening, I have a kitten bothering me. Yes, so cute. Um, But those Reese's pieces and those blanket moments. And part of what I've had to work on just through the entirety of my own relationship, but now as a, as a parent is really being very explicit about, Hey, (laughs) I actually need you to think this through and whatever sort of system that works for your brain to help you think that through is going to be great and useful because I can't bear the mental load of thinking that through anymore. And I'm curious, you know, when you're working with people and when you're working, you know, with in the work that you now do, which is so exciting, what sort of changes are you seeing on that front? Is it similar to communicating directly? Is it similar to, you know, just making something even known that's been swept under the rug? What are you seeing in your work? I see. So, so part of Another like light bulb moment of using the fair play method or just clear communication is setting a minimum standard. And to your, to your point, like noticing, anticipating your family's needs. Um, I do think this is one of the hardest lessons in, especially in like cis hetero relationships is, um, and we're coming up on the holidays, right? Or whenever this airs, it's post-holiday. A lot of people are talking now about how the magic just happens. Like the magic around big events just happens. And I do think that we grew up, or at least, you know, I kind of grew up with this not really digging in to how the magic happens. Yeah. And I think when you become a parent, it's like, oh my, wow, I need to plan three weeks ahead to get this, this, and this, like honey baked ham is not available a week before. Like I actually have to (sighs) anticipate how to prepare a meal and, oh no, daycare is going to be closed for a week. What am I going to do with the kids? It's like all of these, all of these little moments, I think when you take it seriously, when you start communicating with your partner about it, it starts to click. It starts like you be, you start to have open conversations about it as it's coming up. It's no longer moving silently. Like I don't just go to dollar general and get little crafts that I know I'm going to have to use to keep the kids busy for that week off. I will say out loud, Hey, I'm going to target to pick some stuff off. I'm, I'm going to stop at dollar general and get these things. And It's, I say it's hard because if you're stuck in these patterns of communication, somebody who is not on board might hear that as like, 
um, keeping score right? and being like, here's all the things I'm doing. Yeah. Right. So it is, it is a challenge to get over that hump, but when you are both being explicit about it, like instead of me being like, here's the thing I'm going to get, we might sit down on a Sunday during our check-in and be like, who wants to take that? Like, can I do stocking stuffers and you do prep for, um, for the week off? And it's more logistical and more, how do we want our family life to look? And it really is just taking this seriously. Yeah. Cause it just like, the magic doesn't just happen. Life doesn't just happen. You have very specific ways that your life looks different than my life. And it's so silly that we just assume like, yeah, we, we just assume that these things are going to work themselves out or that. Yeah. Yeah. It is just an ongoing conversation. I agree with you. And I think something I've seen in uh, your comments before and and on similar videos that other creators are posting is like, well, that's just not possible for me and my family. Like, well, that's just not the setup that I have. That's just not um, going to work or yeah, right. Um, And I see that a lot. Like I see a lot of people who will say, oh, that sounds nice or find me a husband that can do that. And I think part of the disconnect that I see in my own community is that people aren't talking about it or they're not bringing it up in a way that you were saying where you're checking in with each other or outlining things or communicating. And it's not about keeping score. It's just about leveling the playing field of, hey, here's what we're both bringing to our home. And I think part of the the fear that I can sense in those comments, it, it's first of all, fear of, of having a partner no longer want to be around or having them leave you because you're asserting your needs. And I think from what your, you know, what I can glean from your videos is if they're going to leave you for your needs, your needs are are more important <laughs> and like they're, yeah. they're just as important. Um, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would love to hear you speak more about that particular piece. Of- yeah. I think the fear, I think the fear, like you said, is like, okay, once I start ass- asserting my needs, are they going to think differently of me? Are they going to um, be upset with me? Are they going to think I'm being mean? And then, what if I ask for what I need and they say no, or they can't be that for me, that fear, um, Nedra, not the book, Nedra Glover Tawab writes, uh, set boundaries, find peace. And she talks a lot about like, we fear being mean, we fear being rejected. And I think that's, that's where I want people to understand that we've been sold this idea that specifically women get their value from their proximity to men. And like, just in my comment section today on TikTok, someone said, enjoy your cats. Like, (sighs) as if, if I were going to ask for something that I needed from a male partner, I would somehow end up alone and like solo with my cats. And 
like, first of all, that's fine. Like what's wrong with <laughs> yeah. a single woman with cats? Yeah, that's great. Um, but I do think, um, I think a lot of men, and I'm, I'm going to use those like broad, uh, cis hat, yeah. like, heteronormative things, but, um, I think men fear that they can't be enough or can't fulfill needs. And I feel, I fear that a lot of women or primary caregivers are saying like, one, I'm weak for asking what I need for what I need Two, if they can't be that for me, what am I going to do? Um, there's this other piece, which is like, our system doesn't make it very easy to be a single parent. Yeah. And so it's like, how am I going to, I've been a, I've been a stay-at-home mom for eight years. I don't have a resume and I can't get access to health insurance and I don't want to end up in a shelter. And how am I going to find housing? And my husband doesn't make enough as it is to support both of us in separate homes. And there's all of these aspects and I, it's self-preservation. And, but, but here's the thing. When you don't ask, it's an automatic no. Yeah. You don't know until you say, this is what I need. And yeah, give yourself the chance. And of right. course, like I say that knowing if it's not safe, don't do that. Sometimes, um, and I use this term a lot, weaponized incompetence. There's financial abuse. Weaponized incompetence and willful, willful ignorance that robs you of your time and energy is a tactic of abuse. And if that is a situation, obviously, you know, call the hotline.org, check out your resources. But if you feel safe to do so, ask for what you need. Yeah. Thank you for that. And, you know, the top of my head, I can think about three scenarios that friends have sent me this week um, where they felt frustrated in their relationships and um, or, or with their own time and how they're taking on more and they don't want to be. And I think it is also very hard to be the person to help point that out to your friends. Like you were saying, it is also very yes. hard to be the person to say something to a friend or a community, just like you, you know, you, you went to a different platform. You're not posting about it on your personal Instagram or on your Facebook. I would love to know kind of if that's changed for you in any way. Um, since posting as much as you have been, and if you have any advice for other, you know, people who are primary caretakers in their homes and want to state their needs and talk about their needs more. I think where I've, where I've landed is I try to model it. Like I, I try to make this content that is easily shareable, might be posted in the mommy groups or things like that. Um, but I think what's really palatable is just encouraging people to pick up fair play and just being like, hey, you know what? I got this from the library and it's really like a game changer. I think you should check it out. And that way it's like somebody else is saying it. 
and it's non-judgmental. And I, yeah, I think that fair play is a really good place to start because it is just so validating. Yeah, It's like, no, no, no. Tons of us are dealing with this. Not our fault. Let's figure out how to fix it. Um, but no, like if I witness it in friends or anything like that, I don't say, I don't say anything. Yeah. And it, because it, it feels, no one wants to feel like they're doing something wrong. Um, and I think maybe to, to your point, like when a friend comes to you, they just might want to feel validated and less like, here's the solution. Cause then For they have sure. to do something about it. And you know what? It's so funny. I follow, um, the pelvic floor dancer, um, or the, yeah, anyway, uh, I'll have to get her real name, but she does pelvic floor therapy and she's on TikTok. And I, it was so funny. She popped up on my feed the other day and I immediately swiped up. I was like, I don't want to see this right now because I have pelvic floor issues and I, it's like a call out because she faces me with an issue that I've been dealing with. And I'm like, oh, I know, I know I need to do something about this. I don't want to hear about it right now. And so sometimes when you, like when I show up on someone's feed or if, you know, if your friends are turning to you and you're like, here's, here's something you can do. You can ask for what you need. It's like, it might turn them, they might turn around and walk away. So it's, it's a hard balance. All right. So if you are listening to the show and uh, watching it, you might we might sound a little different and we definitely look a little different because while we were recording um, Laura's incredible episode, I was fighting a stomach bug and nearly passed out on camera. I was completely fine up until the last five minutes of our show. And I awkwardly ended our show was slurring my words and I reached out to Laura the next day when I was feeling of sound and body and said, hey, can we pop on and record the ending for this? I am so sorry. So Laura, welcome back. Thank you so much for doing this. Such a pleasure. Um, so just to kind of refresh both of our memories, when we were speaking uh, about a week ago, um, which feels literally a month ago, um, we were talking about uh, modeling, uh, modeling content and modeling um, conversations that we want people in our lives to see versus having maybe a harder conversation with our friends or people close to our network. Because from your story, you were seeing things around you. And then you were saying like, hey, I think I need to talk about a lot of the things that I'm seeing around me, but it's hard to talk about it with my inner circle. So mm-hmm. one of the things that um, that I grew up with um, was a single mom. I grew up with a single mom who would comment on commercials all the time. And when we were watching commercials, um, specifically like any commercial with cleaning supplies or laundry Mm -hmm. or anything like that, I grew up with a mom that would always say, 
why does the mom have to be doing it all? Or why can't he get off his ass and go grab a, uh, you know, roll of toilet paper or how come he's not doing the laundry? So I always had that message ingrained in my head. And when I watch your content and like reflect on our conversation about modeling content, I can really hear my mom coming up and, (laughs) and like saying, Hey, I know you're watching this video and this commercial of what this person is putting out into the world, basically this message, but just in case you're not hearing it or seeing it or thinking it, here's some commentary that I want to add to this situation. So I know we talked about your journey in, you know, bringing this into your own relationship, but did you grow up hearing and seeing modeled content? And is that what really, has that bled into your messaging or has it been recently within you doing this like sphere of work recently for yourself and your family that you've started to bring in these thoughts and these opinions? I grew up with a similar kind of mother. Um, (laughs) She was a stay-at-home mom and I'm the youngest of three. And so uh, she, my parents are divorced. My dad worked um, a lot. And then my mom handled all of the child rearing and household stuff. Um, And she's the one who told me about being a domestic engineer. She's Mm -hmm. the one who she didn't coin the term. I've since done some digging about where that came from. Um, and it's got a complicated past. Sometimes it was a derogatory, like sarcastic thing. Um, and there was some reclaiming of it, but my mom, I have a very distinct memory of her talking about being a domestic engineer saying like, my resume is huge. Have you ever tried to manage a family and like six soccer schedules and gymnastics and all of these things diets and doctors. And so I remember her talking about that and really being open and and talking about how valuable it was. Um, And yeah, definitely. Like, why are there only moms at the bake sale? Why aren't there things like that? Like really bringing my attention to it. Um, And also, I don't know which parent gave me this, but just like, I can't handle authority. I get, (laughs) (laughs) I've just always been really critical or, um, not critical, skeptical of authority. So that has been, um, and my mom has always kind of encouraged that. Like I've gotten in trouble with teachers and she's not always like, what did you do? It's more, she'll accompany me to the principal and be like, well, was she right? (laughs) Which I really appreciate. Yeah. So it's always been, yes, yes. Um, so I definitely, it's not new. Um, to be very direct and to question these things. Yes. And, and that is really the beauty of questioning things. And I think if you're not surrounded by people who are questioning things or asking those questions in front of you, or if you're not diversifying your feed or seeking out questions and and asking more, you're not going to know that there are different options out there or things are going to become the status quo and you're going to accept what's around you miserably. You know, you maybe you won't be happy, but you're still accepting it around you. Which brings me to some recent content that you've shared around Michelle Obama and some of her interviews that she's been sh- sharing recently for her new book, 
I have been listening to a lot of these interviews as well. I know millions of people are. And in some of these interviews, I have noticed the same thing that you have and that you've talked about in your videos, um, that there is um, an air of, it is what it is when it comes to um, the balance between partners in particular. I know she was on Kelly Kelly Clarkson's show and she was talking about kind of 70-30 balance. But I was thinking, and you so eloquently put in your videos, um, I was thinking, well, it doesn't have to be that way in every respect. You know, there might be an understanding within your partnership that things are 70-30 or 80-20, but that doesn't mean you don't deserve that time for yourself. That doesn't mean you don't deserve a voice in your relationship to say things or that those things are the status quo if you haven't had a conversation about it with your partner. Um, you're nodding for our listeners. <laughs> and so yes, I, yes, yes. I wanted to ask you a bit more about your thoughts around this um, notion that's come up recently a lot with um, these interviews and, and other interviews I'm seeing around the status mm-hmm. quo and it is what it is. Yeah, it's right. It's like that boys will be boys. Right. Um, yeah. And it goes from, I think there's a difference in feeling validated and commiserating. And then those are things that are really important. And that's what I said in that video is these interviews. It's like, oh, Michelle's just like us. Barack is just like us. Like they also have these issues. Um, But what is frustrating is the, yes, that's like, this is marriage. This is what marriage is. And it's hard to see. It's hard to um, someone in my comment section said something great and they were like, she's acting like we all have Barack's, like we're all supporting someone who becomes the president, but really it's just like some guy playing video games and hunting. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's very different. And the other thing that I find really hard is it is, you know, it's okay. You know, if this is what you signed up for, this is what you agreed to, and this feels fair and equitable for you. And you know, like this is a, an eight year thing. And then after that, like maybe I want to pursue something politically, or I want to be a lawyer. Um, that's great. And that would be a really cool thing for her to talk about on these talk shows. Like, how did you agree to this? Yeah. 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 But that's not what the conversation is. She's saying she, I've only seen a couple but, and, and I don't want to just point to her. This is something that a lot of celebrities say openly, which is like, before we had kids, we both agreed everything would be equal. And then we had kids and then I start to resent him. His life didn't change. My life changed. And they make it seem like that's okay. And there's this assumption often, and uh, Eve Rodsky talks about it in Fair Play, and it's been brought up by so many other authors and, you know, Bell Hooks has talked about it. We protect men's time and then women get to fit their careers or their personal interests into the cracks. And we can't have celebrities and big time people telling us that that's normal or okay, that it isn't what it is. Like, why, why aren't, why isn't my husband the one fitting his career into the cracks of my life? Yeah. Cause that's not fair. That would be unfair. We have to talk and agree to it. Yes. Yes. And, um, you know, 
I've listened, like I said, to a lot of the other interviews she's doing, one on COVID, Conan O'Brien, and obviously Michelle Obama is an incredibly accomplished woman and mindfully took that time and spoke with her partner and mindfully agreed to this path together and is expressing how she felt even while having those conversations that she didn't have time for herself or she saw her husband going to the gym and was like, how the hell are you going to the gym when I'm taking care of these babies? And You know, I think that is incredibly relatable when you've had those conversations with your partner. Um, But if you haven't had those conversations with your partner, or if you're in a marriage where another person is suddenly doing those things, it's a very, very different scenario. And that's where I find the, the hard, um, point to ingest for me is, is, well, you had those conversations. That's amazing. But for people who haven't, the modeling of that is not something that I would feel like is a healthy dialogue without better understanding the communication in that couple's lives. And yeah. And so I really appreciate you talking about it because at the top of your video, you said, this mic is probably going to get me in trouble um, because you're talking about a figure that somebody really loves. And, and, you know, we all love a lot for most of us. And yeah, um, yeah. so thank you for talking about something when it's not easy and when it's someone that is well liked. And um, I would love to know as we're wrapping up the show, how did you feel in that moment making that video? Was it hard for you to talk about it? Um, I'm really, I try to be really precise and thoughtful about the language that I use. Um, and I have kind of, anytime that I talk about a joke from like a beloved comedian or someone who I'm using air quotes, but like a good guy type of like a feminist man or somebody that we really love. I always try to express that it is well-intentioned, but we do not, there's no progress unless we question our own understanding of things. And if we think critically about the messages we're sending out, maybe we should all read Michelle's book because it probably does go in to the, it gives us clarity on what is going on. And I think it's hard to fit everything into a three minute video. Of course. But we all, we all exist in this society that has taught us very specific things. And her even talking openly about this is revolutionary. Yes. And so I really appreciate that. And I also like, it's a really hard balance. The way that these interviews are cut up and presented to us also remove a lot of context and nuance to what she's saying. So I'm always trying really hard to give that context and and make sure that anytime I talk about these things, it's completely non-judgmental. And, you know, we're all working at our own pace to face these things. We don't know what we don't know. So it is really, it, I, I trust myself that I'm going to be thoughtful and kind when I talk about these things. But it is always, um, I do feel nervous and I do often brace myself when it is somebody so beloved and who is doing, it's very challenging to take something that is progressive and say, you're like, you're almost there. 
can we push it a tiny bit further because because it's a beloved person, but also because I don't ever want to come off like I am some sort of like I know better. Of course. I yeah. don't. I'm I'm just existing in the same society and trying to reflect on my own stuff. And I haven't gotten it figured out. Um so often like asking questions and I try to do it that way. Like what questions did I ask myself when I listened? And yeah. But I do get nervous. Like, am I, are people going to be pissed that I just like said something critical about what she said? And because it's so relatable because so many people relate to her and I don't want people to, I want to challenge people, but I don't want them to feel um, like they need to withdraw from the message or shut down or feel judged by it. Yeah. Well, I think what you, um, the, the the beauty in the content that you put out there is the relatability and helping people to better understand that second layer of questioning. Like we were talking about that, that tiny moment of, well, what about A, B, and C that we're not thinking of even in this liver of this moment, even by someone we love so much um, mm-hmm. or by a brand or a person or, you know, something that we trust. Mm-hmm. So as we're wrapping up, what would you say is the most important thing you'd like to convey through your work? Um, and I know that's a big question, but um, as as you're moving forward into this, you know, next next chapter for you. Um, I think, I mean, framed in what we were just talking about, you don't need to let it go. Um we don't need to say this is just how it is. Boys will be boys or this is what you signed up for. This is marriage. Um, and it it applies to everything. Like you don't have to settle for mediocrity at work or in your personal time and your how much time you give yourself for your interests or self-care or parenthood, whatever. That I think especially for women, but for anybody, you deserve to have standards. You're allowed to ask for things you want. Yeah. yeah. What beautiful. Thank you so much. And where can people find you if they want to work with you? They can find me. um, You can find me on the social media, which is Instagram or TikTok at that darn chat. And uh, you can contact me directly at Laura at that darn chat.com or on my website, that darn chat.com. Beautiful. Laura, thank you for taking time again to chat with me and for being on the Amplify Her podcast. I am so, so, so thrilled that you joined me and really excited for people to continue to follow you and hear your beautiful messaging. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I only wish we could talk longer. I know, right? (laughs) And if you're listening to this or watching this, please, please never forget that your voice matters and your story matters. I'll see you on the next episode of the Amplify Her podcast. The Amplify Her podcast is a part of the Amplify Her Media Network. You can check out more shows on the Amplify Her Media Network over on Instagram at Amplify Her Media. We are all works in progress. What if we took that a step further, pausing for a moment to ask ourselves, what else is possible? What if you were to just be with the question so that you can then choose something different for your life, not having to seek out any answer?
So join me, Carmen Shields, on the Discovering Amazing Possibilities podcast every other Wednesday. Get curious about your life. What amazing possibilities have you not considered in your life today? Hey, I am your host, Veronica Castellanos, and every Monday, I hope you can tune in because I'll be dropping new episodes with the Momster Podcast. Motherhood can be one of the trickiest things to maneuver through emotionally, physically, spiritually, and on my episodes, I'm going to talk about all the things, the good, the bad, the ugly, and joyful moments as well. So tune in every Monday the Momster Podcast, which is part of the Amplify Her Media Network.